Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. This is uh, episode number nine of our third season, and it's our first season to be on f uh, the Fiat Ministry Network with the video versions of the program, and those air at the Fiat Ministry Network's YouTube page, also at Patchwork Heart Ministries, and you can watch them at my YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi. The radio program for the third year airs on the Living Bread Radio Network and their radio stations. Uh, people are inquiring about uh, my particular website. You can get to me to find out about my three books. And if you're interested in uh, having me speak to your church or organization, you can go to TonyAgnesi.com. And uh, don't forget while you're there to check out my new reflection series called Five Minutes with Tony. There are about 30 of them posted so far as we record today's program, and we're adding two new ones uh, each week. Each week here on the uh, Storytellers program, we feature an inspirational guest. We're going to discuss not only their personal faith journey, but the ministries they share as authors, speakers, bloggers, and uh, radio and television hosts. And today is no exception. I have my friend Dennis McGeehan on. Dennis uh, is an author. He's a blogger. He's a catechist. He's a lector, husband and father of nine, and uh, has been published in Catholic magazines, is a member of the Catholic Writers Guild. And uh, he blogs at warriorworlddad.com. And Dennis, it's always great to see you. Hi, Tony. It's good to see you. You know, it's been, it's been a couple of years since we uh, had our last uh, Catholic Writers Guild convention where we got a yeah. chance to spend a lot of time together. Well, I enjoyed our meals together at the bar or in the dining room. You bet. You bet. Well, I wanted to start out uh, in, you know, for those people who, uh, who don't know you and, and are listening, a little bit about your faith journey because you've had a remarkable faith journey, you and your wife with with uh, uh, nine kids, four of which were special needs. Give us a little bit about your journey uh, in your faith. Okay. I'm a cradle Catholic. Um, my mother sent me to Catholic school for eight years, Catholic elementary school. Um, my home life, uh, well, back then we called them broken homes. Uh, my father was a, uh, alcoholic and that made things rough and not to get into the gory details but when I was five years old I made myself a promise and I can remember this as clearly as if it happened five minutes ago uh, that if I ever got married I was going to be the best husband and best father I could be to my family well if you fast forward from five years old to about 22. I'm at college and I get invited to go attend the Sunday evening mass by a friend that I just met the week before. And I had no intention of going to church because at that point I had stopped going to church pretty much and just going through life. And he said, Come on, he literally kicked, I was laying on a park bench and he kicked my feet, literally, woke me up. He said, Come on, you're going to mass with me. And I thought that came through my head was, might be a good place to meet girls. <laughs> so I went, and guess what? I met somebody. <laughs> uh, 
after mass, that was the first mass of the term, and the priest invited us to the conference room uh, for a planning meeting for the Newman Society, and I went, and this girl went, and we started talking. Uh, we both ended up joining the choir together, and eventually she became my wife. Now, her situation was that she went to Mass every Sunday, never stopped going to Mass by the time she was baptized with her parents. So she was a real good influence on me. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually broke up for two or three years, but I kept going to Mass. And we got back together again, and we got married when I was 27. And all of a sudden, I realized how does one be the best husband and father somebody can be? I ain't got a clue. I, I, I'm totally clueless. I, I told myself I'll do everything opposite of what I experienced with my father. I thought that was a good start. But then I thought, maybe I'll find that about St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started reading about St. Joseph. So I could hopefully be a good husband and good father, because I can't think of any better model for a man. You know, it's interesting, uh, interesting, Dennis, you mentioned that. You said a couple of things that just really struck a chord with me. And, you know, the first is uh, that pledge you made to yourself at age five, that you were going to be the best husband and father you could be. And we know from all of the statistics on fatherhood that Uh, most guys go in one of two directions. Either they follow right along uh, in the same way as uh, their fathers did, or they make that pledge. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, We now have about 40, uh, um, uh, 40, what is it? 400,000 kids without a father. 40% of the kids are growing up without a father in their figure in their house among African-American families. It's, it's closer to 80%. And we really have a, a father, a fatherhood uh, dilemma in our country. And, you know, if you, it's interesting that you say, if you want to learn to be a father and you didn't have much instruction growing up, St. Joseph's a great place to start. And so that started you on this journey, your book, uh, uh, The Diaries of Joseph and Mary. One of the things about St. Joseph, most people don't know very much about him, other than, you know, of the few things that we, that we learn from the Bible. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, well, what happened there was, shortly after Sue and I, my wife's name is Suzanne, and shortly after we got married, we were at a local Catholic bookstore. And I'm just walking around, and I, I find this book. It's called The Life and Glories of St. Joseph. And it's about two inches thick. (laughs) And it was written in 1888. In the language that academics used in 1888. And I thought, oh, good, take this home and read this. I get five or 10 pages into it and it's like, Right over my head, I I am totally lost. I picked that book up a half a dozen different times. I couldn't get past page 50. And I didn't really know what I was reading the first 50 pages. But then, a few years passed, 
And I'm a judo instructor. It's one of the things I've done with my life is study judo and teach judo. And I was running a judo class in the basement of our church. And so I had a key to get into the church and lock the church up. And I was watching EWTN and the guests that I was seeing, they kept talking about Eucharistic adoration, um, spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament and all this stuff. And it thought occurred to me, I got the church open. Why don't I ask Father if you can leave it open for people to come and just spend time in front of the tabernacle? It was an exposition. It's just that the church is open. Come and spend some time with Jesus. And we got the okay. And we started doing that. So the first night I go upstairs to the church and sit down and our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be. When I get home, I got to remember to do this, that, the other thing. Couldn't yeah. think about Jesus. My to-do list was just swamping me. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered what these guests on EWTN said. Bring some good books about Jesus, about God, to help you during your holy hour. So I grabbed my St. Joseph book. And I started reading that during the holy hour. I don't think I ever read more than five pages in an hour. There were days when I didn't read a full page. I'd be reading, I'd, I'd come in, I'd genuflect, I'd, the holy water, bless myself. A few minutes just talking to Jesus and then start reading the book. And I started to understand it. And it took me a good year and a half to two years to get through that book the first time. But what I learned about St. Joseph in that book, just, I'd never heard of this stuff before. And it wasn't, it's written by a man named Edward Healy Thompson. But it's not his thoughts that's in the book. He based his book on the writings of two Spanish theologians from the 1500s who are well-respected in the church. And they based their writings on some guys named Augustine, Ambrose, uh, Irenaeus, Jerome, uh, the fathers of the church. So what I was reading was what the fathers of the church thought about St. Joseph and actually preached homilies on. So I felt pretty assured that what I'm reading here is at the least not heresy and it's probably given me a lot of insight into the man St. Joseph was. And that's exactly what it did because most St. Joseph books are full of prayers to St. Joseph and all that stuff. And that's, that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you want to get to know Joseph the person, uh, you need something else. And that's what I got out of this book. It was an insight into the person that Joseph had to be to be the spouse of Mary and the guardian of the Holy Family. And it 
they, they ex- the, the early church fathers explained their logic for what they believed. Um, and it was just amazing to me. Uh, Dennis McGeehan is my guest. His book is entitled The Diaries of Joseph and Mary. Um, I, I really, when, when I first heard of your book a few years back, um, kind of a novel way of, of telling the story about putting them into the, uh, into the situation that they're uh, writing their diaries and so forth. How did that idea come about uh, and, 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 and how you were able to frame the book in that idea of Mary and Joseph's diaries? Well, at the time, I was associated with uh, another company, and we were supposed to write, I guess they were tweets or emails, to, it was geared towards high school students, and they were supposed to get five short tweets a week, as if I was St. Patrick, or if I was the guardian angel, or St. Michael, the archangel, whatever. And I was working with them for a couple months, and then they had a bit of a change in their structure, and they, they let me go. Which, you know, as a writer, <laughs> you know how that is. <laughs> uh, but this was during the time that I was researching St. Joseph. And in fact, when I approached this company, we say, well, can I do tweets from St. Joseph? They froze. It was like, no, we can't do that. It's like, that's just too too sensitive or too risky or they just had a problem with that. Even when I explained to them, it's not my ideas. I'm not, it's not my imagination. So it occurred to me, what if Mary and Joseph kept a diary? What would that look like? And I started working on that and using what I was learning from the Life and Glories book primarily um, to write this diary because that book takes you from when Joseph is a child working with his father Jacob and when Mary is is born before she was born because they talk, the book talks about when Mary was three years old her parents allowed her to go live in the temple as one of the temple girls um, and that's something you never hear about when you read the Bible. But according to tradition, uh, small t, uh, Mary was in the temple from age three to age 12. And at 12 was when she was betrothed to Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I just went through chronologically with the book. And uh, that's how it came about. What are uh, what are a couple of the things I, I, I know when you write about Saint Joseph? There's got to be a couple of standout things, Dennis, that you uh, learned about him. Things that not only you learn, but things that you can apply in your life, and that and that others can can learn from and apply as well. Oh, <laughs> like about an easy question. <laughs> well, what a what hit me the most from my, my readings of St. Joseph, and I hope people don't 
misconstrue what I'm going to say here. For us in our century, and for quite a while now, St. Joseph is looked upon as the terror of demons, the, you know, he's got all these titles and all these, he's a saint, he's, it's all spiritual, more spiritual looking at him. When I was reading this book, the early church fathers, and we're talking about writings from 100 AD, 200 AD, really close to the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you got more of an impression of Joseph, the human being, the, the, the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got sweaty, he got dirty doing his work. Uh, he ate, he felt pain at times from doing his work. And he loved Mary as a man can love a woman, uh, as a husband can love a wife. Now, they were chaste. All the church fathers were clear on that. Um, It was a chaste marriage. But he loved her. Just like you love your wife, Tony, like I love my wife. Uh, And what he did, he did because he loved her and wanted to protect her. Uh, so that came through to me and it's like, I got to do everything I can to take care of my wife mm-hmm. and I got to do everything I can do to take care of my kids. Like Joseph took care of Jesus. Uh, and the cost to me is meaningless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to be there. So that's the biggest takeaway I got from Joseph is that he was a real man. Now he was given the grace by God to do what he had to do. Um, just like all of us are given the grace to do what we have to do. You've um, obviously raised a family in that, uh, using those, those things. Uh, Dennis, tell us a little bit about, I know you had uh, nine kids and I know you had some special needs kids and I know you've worked with special needs people. You speak on the subject. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have nine children. Eight are here, still on Earth. Uh, our ninth one returned to God before she was born. Uh, so we got our own little saint in heaven. Uh, my four youngest children, I have one daughter and seven sons on Earth. <laughs> and my four youngest sons, the daughter's the oldest, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my four youngest sons are special needs. Two have autism. One took a three-hour grandma seizure when he was one year old mm. and nearly died. And uh, that damaged his brain. And our youngest son is legally blind in one eye, has a learning disability, and deals with Tourette syndrome. So, uh, telling you this because you asked the question, not looking for any pity. For us, this is normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, this is this is just life. 
And my four youngest ones, because I worked with special needs people all my life, I learned not to listen to so-called experts with lots of letters after their names. Um, I mean, somebody would come on to my area and say, who's Joe Smith? And I'd have to point Joe Smith out to them. Mm. And then this person who 10 seconds ago did not know Joe Smith starts to tell me what Joe Smith can and cannot do. And I thought, this is nuts. <laughs> you don't know Joe Smith from Joe Blow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me and my wife, um, we just raised all our children pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, my four youngest ones have far exceeded what the so-called experts could ever do. Um, they're working... Uh, some of them were altar servers. They're members of the Knights of Columbus. One's a fourth degree knight. Um, they studied Hapkido. They got their brown belt. The, the, the older ones got up to around their brown belt and Hapkido before classes got shut down by the coronavirus. Um, I taught them some judo. Um, I'm just very grateful to God. Mm. They've made me a better person. And my other children are just wonderful. You can, you can, you can tell that just by, uh, by the way you, you talk to them. Your kids are all, all grown up now? You have all adult children now? The youngest is 22. That's it. Now the four special needs, they live with me and mom. And our oldest son also lives with us. And uh, he helps me out and his mother out and helps his brothers out as needed. Um, my daughter is married and she has two kids of her own. My other son, one of my other sons is married and my other son is just, he moved out to just move out beyond his own. Mm-hmm. But we see him, he comes over to the house and we talk and such, uh, but he just wanted to, to be on his own. Um, why don't you share with us some thoughts on, you know, on holy parenting and, 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 you know, trying to, trying to maybe emulate Joseph. Uh, is there any tips you can give guys like me? I'm a little older than, you know, my kids are in their forties and late 40 and late thirties, my two sons. Uh, anything you can pass along to some younger guys, Dennis, uh, in terms of holy parenting and, and, uh, I, for me, okay, with my children, uh, I know how I respond when somebody tells me I have to do this. Tell me I have to say a rosary, and I might stay there and say a rosary, but chances are I'm not going to, mm. or I'm going to make it miserable for you. That's just how I was when I was a kid and a teen, and even a young adult. I didn't like being bossed around by anybody. I have taken the tact that if I want my kids to take something serious, then I need to take it serious. Dad doesn't get a pass. So dad goes to church. And even if my kids don't go to church every week, they're seeing dad go to church. Dad still does. Yeah. 
Now, Dad, right now with the coronavirus, and let me hold this up for you. See this little black bag, guys? And you see that cable? That cable literally goes inside my body and up into my heart. <laughs> I have an artificial pump inside my heart. Um, that's what's keeping me alive. Um, but I'm in the super high risk group, <laughs> you could say, for um, exposure to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really stop me from going to church as much as the fact that if I try to sit on a hard wooden bench or a hard wooden chair, I, I can't make it more than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I start to look like death warmed over. So um, for me, for a while now, church has been on TV or on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the oh, things that's come out, one of the things that come out of the pandemic is we have more opportunities with masses online on the internet that, yeah. that we didn't have in the past. And I think once this is over, I think some of those will probably continue, you know, just, uh, yeah. just for that reason. Yeah. And my kids know, but me and my wife, we say the rosary. And recently I've gotten in the habit of not just saying the Marian Rosary, but I say the St. Joseph Rosary. There's a whole separate rosary uh, for St. Joseph, and instead of the Hail Mary, it's the Hail Joseph prayer, you say. And there's uh, five mysteries in the life of Joseph with the St. Joseph. It's the Oblates of St. Joseph. If you go online and look up Oblates of St. Joseph, you can find out about that. That's where I learned about it. And that's what I, uh, I try to say on a regular basis. My guest, uh, Dennis McGeehan, author of um, the book, The Diaries of Joseph and Mary. Uh, he's a blogger and a writer and a great, all-around great guy. And Dennis has been a quick uh, half hour. I want to thank you for being with us today on The Storytellers and, uh, and uh, really appreciate you joining us. The, uh, your website is Warrior World Dad. Warriors is an S. Warriors. Warriors World Dad Dad. dot com. com. And if you go there, you'll read blogs about my thoughts on different topics. I have some excerpts from the book on there. And some other types of, like I wrote some funny stuff for Groundhog's Day or for Christmas. Perfect. A little humor. Thanks, Dennis. Well, that's our show for today. My thanks to uh, Dennis McGeehan for being with us. Uh, the program airs at 6 p.m. on the Fiat Ministry Network and shortly thereafter at Patchwork Heart Ministries and on my YouTube page. And the radio program is produced by the Living Bread Radio Network and airs Sundays uh, at 4 p.m. This is Tony Agnesi. We'll see you again next week for another episode of The Storytellers. God bless you.